I think I've broken both mic stands over here, but that's okay. Would you throw them? No, no, I've been trying to get them up. Um, and they just won't go up anymore. So I've, I have microphone stand dysfunction over here. They have pills for that. Welcome on into the show. You're here. You made it. My name is Denny Gallagher. I'm joined by the snare campaign provocateur, Mr. Benny Horowitz himself. Mr. He got a little cocky when his nets shocked my bucks, but the bucks got it back today. Just went final against the Heat. Big win. 39 to 11 run to close the game. That's what I'm talking about. There you go. Bucks back on track. Fear the deer. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'd like to speculate as much as possible about the NBA right now, but are, are we really, uh, I don't think, I think we got to give it at least two weeks, seven games to actually have any sense of what the heck is going on in there, right? Well, Benny, each and every week you get better and better at being a host. That was a great tease. We're going to talk about what's wrong with the Lakers in a little bit. We're going to talk about, we're going to get back into TikTok. I know it's been a few weeks since we talked about those scoundrels over there, but they've made some national headlines. Uh, but first, Benny, I want to get into this damn music history. Let's do it. Do, 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 do. All right, Benny, what's your submission? So, on this day in 1991, esteemed rock and roll vocalist Axl Rose was charged with a bunch of things, including inciting a riot because of the Rocket Queen riot that happened at the Riverport Amphitheater in St. Louis. Now, I've recently learned, like, when I was a kid, I thought Axl Rose was a real badass. And then I grew up and I was like, oh, he was just a hair metal singer or moved from the Midwest, like, whatever. And then the more and more you learn about that band, you learn Axl Rose was kind of a badass. There's a reason he left Iowa. He got in a lot of trouble. He was a bad kid. And he had this notorious uh, reputation for getting into fights in the Sunset Strip and breaking shit and, and really kind of a punk rocker in a weird way. So, you know, they're at the height of their fame. And he's had a bunch of instances already with uh, getting into a little bit of a kerfuffle with the audience. And at this particular show, apparently members of a local biker gang called the Saddle Tramps. Yes, that's right. The Saddle Tramps. Pretty good name. Were causing some trouble and they were taking pictures on contraband cameras and doing things like that. Uh, I guess they were in cahoots with security. So Axel was yelling from stage, security, do something. This guy, this guy, this guy. They're all ignoring it. So this is the day that Axl Rose decides to swan dive into the crowd, throwing punches and trying to handle the situation himself. So, you know, this whole melee breaks out. He winds up back on stage, walks off stage, no explanation. Slash gives a half-hearted explanation. And uh, then a giant riot ensues, <laughs> basically. Um, to the point that they even had a, they, they brought a giant fire hose onto the stage, literally to clear yeah. people out of this place. Like it got that crazy. But a uh, joke to that story is that they didn't have enough water pressure to operate it. <laughs> so they brought a fire hose onto the stage and didn't have the water pressure. But I'm talking, they ripped down video screens, they ripped out plastic seats and threw them everywhere. And in the end, 65 people have hurt. 25 of which were police officers. So this thing got pretty fucking nasty. And that's why this day in 1991, Axl Rose was charged with inciting a riot. 
He did subsequently get off, but uh, man, he had a good run there in the 90s. Huh? <laughs> well, Benny, I'm also going to keep it in the 90s, and I'm kind of going to use this day music history to ask a broader question, so just bear uh -huh. with me. On this day in 1997, Garth Brooks played to an estimated million people in New York Central Park. All right, now that we got the fact out of the way, Benny, you know, I'm always trying to learn about the people that have become huge in the entertainment business. What's sure. that X factor that they have that sets them apart from everybody else? So I was watching the Garth Brooks documentary on Netflix, which it was pretty corny, but it was also pretty informational if you don't know much about Garth Brooks. I'm wondering. Now, I went back and listened to some of the songs in the catalog, sure. some of the albums. I don't get it. I truly don't get it. I know that this is, I know that I'm preaching to the choir right here, but he's known as being this like energetic entertainer that swings over the crowd on ropes and shit. But his songs are all so damn slow, except for like a couple. Uh -huh. I don't understand it. You're if wondering you... what's the attraction to Garth Brooks and why a million people went to see him in Central Park? Exactly. I mean, I think if people had this formula figured out, you know, A&R guys would have jobs forever. Bands would have jobs forever. Uh, you know, so much of it is just arbitrary. Like, like there could have been a far better artist that broke two years before Garth Brooks, yeah. two years after Garth Brooks. And based on the industry, the way he came up, a certain way a song sits at a certain time, the way he looks, how tall he is. You know, these weird little X factors that you could never even quantify. So, uh I, uh, you asked me a question about an artist that I particularly don't have an opinion on really either way. You know what I mean? I've always known him. I know he's huge. I like that funny little skit he did with Will Farrell on SNL. <laughs> I saw that part of his documentary that he hung his head in shame about his little kids having Spanish accents. And that's why he had to stop touring and come home to take care of them. So, uh, I don't know about Garth Brooks. Uh, but the one thing I will say is uh, I do think even though you won't spin around the radio in the New York area and hear a lot of country music, there are a lot of country music fans. Yeah. And Garth Brooks is almost like someone who you don't even have to really be a country music fan. He's basically right. pop. Yeah. He's pop country. So the idea that a million people came to Central Park to see him makes a certain degree of sense since it's kind of a unique show. Um but to, to be able to quantify what it is about Garth Brooks that got a million people to Central Park, I'm not sure, man, because I don't really see that either, you know? And it's so funny because, you know, he's this, like, acclaimed singer-songwriter, but he doesn't write his own songs. So, I don't know. I'm just so confused about it. As someone that's in a band, in a band, yeah. how important is it the songs come from inside the house or do you think that it's okay for bands to go outside of the band? I think it's okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, as long as you're presenting it in a decent way. I mean, maybe the thing with Garth Brooks is like, he is like the pop country guy. Yeah. You're not going to hear him make a political statement. You're not going to hear him go, you know, he's vanilla. He's easy. He's easy on the ears. I mean, he seems like a decent looking guy, you know, big, like, so I think he's just like safe. He's yeah. safe for everybody. He's not going to pull you know, that, uh, you know, speak English or die vibe. He's not going to get too shit kickery for like the Northeast people who want to actually listen to some, some twangy country. But let me ask you this. So your normal person from New Jersey, 
Yeah. If they have a Garth Brooks album in their collection, do they have, let's say, take their favorite three records? Yeah. Are the other two, two other country records or are the other two pop records? It's 100% if Garth Brooks is in like their three that they're taking to a deserted island. It's Springsteen, Billy Joel, Garth Brooks. Oh, okay. <laughs> that sounds right. That sounds right. That sounds right. All right, Benny, moving on to kind of keeping it in the music a little bit. Let's talk about TikTok for a sec. You know, we were making jokes about it a couple months ago, but it's gotten pretty serious. Didn't you tell me to get one? Yeah, yeah. I told you to get one. I told the show to get on TikTok. Uh, I didn't follow my own advice, so shame on me. But apparently it's coming under pressure from the White House for the Chinese government to sell their stake in TikTok, or at least the American distribution of it, which I don't know how you can buy an app, but only in one country. But Bill Gates and Microsoft are trying to do it. I know Bill Gates isn't with Microsoft anymore, but you get my drift. It's, it's better if you say it that way. Now, you've got young kids now, and they're yeah. coming up into the teenage sphere sooner rather than later. Sure. How would you feel about them being on a social media app that is just giving away all of the data that they have at such a young age? I mean, I I have a feeling that some of what we're dealing with is going to be reconciled by the time they're that age. Because, I mean, as you saw like a week ago, uh, you know, a, uh, a federal judge was targeted at their own home because of how easy it is to get somebody's address. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I could Google you right now and probably find out like your phone number, exactly where you are, the last major purchase you bought. So I think we're can't, kind of in like the information wild west and you're starting to see the uh, internet browsers get a little more hip to it, offering security, offering privacy. And if capitalism takes over in that way, then the apps that offer these solutions will be the more popular apps and it will become the standard. So I do think that it does need to be reconciled one way or the other. And it's either going to go in the way I just uh, described or it's like the end times and all of our information is everywhere. But I mean, even just yesterday, I needed to try and to open an online access portal through like a health insurance website, right? Mm. And it's asking me questions where I'm into the second, third question. I'm like, wow, these questions they're asking could only be derived from somebody who has access to my credit report, mm. somebody who has access to like my, my mortgage buying history and things like that. Like really like things that are severe and to yeah. me, super fucking personal, you know, and, and literally some third party vendor who's trying to check my security online is asking me these questions. I don't even know who it is. I don't know who owns, you know? So yeah. I, I think the concerns with TikTok should be real because of uh, what can be done with user data and how badly people could be hurt from it. Now, the thing I don't trust is the fact that the politicians' intentions who are going after this site are going after it in an altruistic way with like actual moral reasoning behind it. It all feels political. Yeah. It feels like something that hurts a certain group of people. So they'd rather see it not here. Um, and then on the other hand, it's like, okay, the same information can be taken from Twitter or Instagram or all this other stuff. 
what's to say what my own fucking government is doing with yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, like, what are they doing with it? Who are they selling it to by yeah. the time it comes? So, I, I don't know. I, I'm a little, uh, I'm a little skeptical of the narrative that's been written to me about the only reason this is happening is because there's a chance that Chinese people could have the data. Yeah, I don't really think that's probably the case, but the general concept that our data is important and at risk, I do think is something to talk about more. But I don't think that's what this TikTok thing is about. And I don't know who needs to hear this, but by virtue of being on the internet alone, right, you're giving up entire consent to your entire privacy. That's not something that enough people talk about. And for the sake of TikTok, is it an actual threat to Homeland Security yet? Or is it a preventative thing? That's that's the first part. And then the second part with music. I mean, how many people's careers wouldn't have gotten off the ground in the short time that this has been a thing? Sure. Yeah. And now I just read up today all about apparently there's an alternative music scene on TikTok now. I don't know how, how far you want to go down into that rabbit hole. But yeah, I heard about what straight TikTok and yeah, like alt TikTok exactly. is like a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I got schooled by like a 14 year old girl on a podcast the other day. Yeah. Oh, really? True. Yeah, Bill Simmons' daughter came on. Oh, oh, and she told everyone on alt TikTok because she's a public policy professional. Cool. Hey, listen, <laughs> I listened to a 15-year-old girl over a public policy professional about this shit. <laughs> but uh, I hope Microsoft. So, buys so what's the end game here? You're not getting TikTok then. I mean, I've had it, but I deleted it. But I still think that even though I deleted it, I still think they have my data. But Microsoft, who's been you know the in the driver's seat to purchase this. A lot is talking about what they're actually going to be able to purchase from this company, but they've had a, a mixed bag history with acquisitions. Uh, you know, Microsoft owns LinkedIn, which is a pretty prominent social media site for professionals. Though, talk about corny, a lot of people like to get all corned up on LinkedIn. On LinkedIn. But, uh, you know, they've I'm had not allowed a, on that one. Right, right, right. Exactly. They tried to start a streaming service, Mixer, and failed. So this seems like Microsoft trying to buy relevancy. I mean, yes, LinkedIn is popular. Xbox is kind of waning. I feel like people in, like, Gen Zers are going more toward the PS5. So mm. I think Microsoft is, sure, the data is nice, but I think they're also trying to maintain a certain level of cool, if you will. Makes sense. I mean, and in reality, we always talk about this stuff. We try to break down the minutia, but there's probably like six motherfuckers golfing and laughing right now yeah. who own each one of these companies who are playing the media and allowing us to believe something that is absolutely not happening. Exactly. So, I mean, that's probably what's happening <laughs> is that they want little guys like us on our own little podcast on Zoom where they're stealing <laughs> our fucking information too to talk about it while they come up with other plans. They're just puppet mastering us. And Danny. meanwhile, We're falling right into it. Meanwhile, the guy who sold your email account to all those people, Andre Iguodala, shooting bricks in Orlando. But, I told you about that. <laughs> but Benny. Before we get off the Gen Z, Gen X, Gen whatever you want to be, you know, I, I feel like gender should, uh, well, not genders, uh, generations should be fluid. Freudian slip. Wow. Uh, you, you try to make the joke and you hit it right on the nose. Um, I read a interesting thing in Rolling Stone today about how there is apparently a cultural war brewing between, get this, Gen Zers and millennials. And oh, yeah. Here's how they pulled me in, all right? I think this okay. is how, how, how we're different in a big way. The headline on Rolling Stone was 
Gen Zers hate Lin-Manuel Miranda. I'm like, okay, interesting, you know. But apparently he's he's a whole TikTok hate thing going on, which I I don't know how you can hate people on TikTok, but apparently you can make fun of people quite severely. Honestly, we're probably being mocked on TikTok and we don't even know it. Go for it. Exactly. Just be sure to ta- tag us at TuneUpHQ on TikTok. Yeah. No, just kidding. That's not TikTok there. me. But, I don't know. What could you say about me? Benny. I haven't said about myself. Yeah? <laughs> As an older millennial. I'm a zennial. Yeah, zennial. How do you yeah. feel about this brewing war, cultural war with Gen Zers? Honestly, I mean, I can't, I honestly can't speak to whatever the fuck is happening on TikTok because, <laughs> you know, that's obviously not my thing. Yeah. But I do think there is a tangible, tangible line in the sand about age right now. And it has to do less about any of this and more just what the version of the world that you would like to see and how it exists really. And I think young people right now have a completely different sense about how they want to see things, how they need things carried out. And uh, I think the old guard and the way we used to do things don't make a whole lot of fucking sense to them. Um, And so I do think this is happening and I do think it's real. Um, I would argue that there's probably a lot more uh, Gen Zers who are, you know, on the side of millennials than baby boomers and stuff like that. You know, that's the real line in the sand. But I mean, you're talking about a range of people like I'm nearly 40 years old and I'm still technically a millennial and somebody who was completely raised with TikTok and Twitter and Facebook, like their, their reality is like, completely consumed around these things are technically in the same group that I am. So I'm not really sure <laughs> at the same time. But I do think it's real and I think it's tangible. What do you think? All I have to say, you know, I have my entire working career thus far. I've been the young guy, you know, ball and chain. Right. I'm like way younger than them. I'm sure. a little bit younger than you. Serious. I'm like the young guy here, you know, trying to make your way. I am too young to be this old and considered old by people. So that's my big thing. (laughs) For me, it isn't political. It isn't anything. It's the acceptance of getting older and that there's people coming up straight on behind us that are probably going to try to take this job. Honestly, if any Gen Zer wants TikTok, wants to control this TikTok, this podcast, have at it. It's all yours. (laughs) (laughs) They shall inherit the earth. Isn't that an Old Testament line? Something about inheriting the earth? Anyway, confirm it with the Jew. (laughs) (laughs) We've kind of run ourselves into a cul-de-sac here. Benny, it's time to bring back an oldie but a goodie. Hit me up with that dollar slice take. I'm so glad it's back. We needed it. We needed the dollar slice because I got a good one for the first one. Okay. So we haven't done a dollar slice since there's been a pandemic, right? Because we kind of felt bad about joking for a little while. (laughs) So I thought of a great one, all right? It's called the Carapult. Okay. Now, we're going to have new deliveries, the new thing, but the whole issue is being hands-on, right? So you have a service. I'm not talking hot food. I'm talking subs. I'm talking maybe groceries, stuff like that that can be flung through the air. And you offer free delivery, but the caveat is it's put on a catapult that's on top of your car and it's just flung in the general direction of your front door and house and you have to figure out the rest. But free delivery called the carapult. It sits on top. Guys could just press a button, 
just shoots by your house pretty close. They can knock out, I'd say, probably 10 to 12 more deliveries an hour this way. If you're not ordering, like I said, I mean, I'm not talking about getting a bowl of fucking soup, but if you're getting a hoagie or, you know, if you're uh, getting some grocery, pack of smokes, something like that, throw it in the carpool, toss it to my house. <laughs> Benny, that's a terrible idea. Especially if you're trying to find, you know, like produce, like I'm just going to walk out of my house and like be hit with in the face by like a watermelon. This world is crazy enough. I don't need to walk out of my house and it's like an episode of the Muppets. I just don't need that. See, that's kind of exactly <laughs> what I need. You know what? You know what, Denny? Nothing makes sense anymore. No. Right? The top is bottom, up is down, left is right. I don't know what's what. So that's where I almost just want to stick with the theme here. It's like watermelon falling from the sky. Eh, it's a Tuesday. Not? It's the yeah. perfect time for it, really. <laughs> if, there, if there is a time in America that watermelon should fall from the sky, it's it's right now. And the carapult will provide this. <laughs> well, Benny, I want to keep it in the world of food, drink, all that stuff. Benny, you know, you've been out of Jersey City a little bit the last couple months. There's been a new uh -huh. bar that's open, and... I think they just invented a new kind of drinking establishment. So you have your bars, you have your nightclubs, you have your beach bars, you have all of that stuff. But Benny, have you ever been to a whiskey chapel? <laughs> no, what's happening there? It is. Okay, as well, so to give them some, some free pub here, Grace O'Malley's Whiskey okay. Chapel, North oh, Avenue, cool. Jersey City, New Jersey. But I love this concept, you know, Everyone these days is looking for answers and mm -hmm. it may not be at the bottle of bottom of a glass, but I feel like going to some place to drown your sorrows called a whiskey chapel feels a little bit better than just saying, honey, I'm going to the bar. No, I'm going to the whiskey chapel. I'm going to pay tribute, pay homage, all of that stuff. So whiskey chapels need to sweep the world. They're probably already in Ireland, but USA get on the whiskey chapel. You don't think this could backfire though for like a drunk? Cause like what if what if, you know, instead of honoring the whiskey, you know, the the lady or the man at home who who's worried is like, oh, the whiskey chapel, your best friend, your lover, you're going to get married to your whiskey again. Cause that's all it makes me think of is getting married at a chapel. So maybe this will backfire on the proper drunks. Like, oh, go to the chapel, get married to your drink. Or or we have a brand new business idea and we're going to open up our own whiskey chapel and you can administer marriages. I'll serve up some drinks. It'll be a good old time. I just interviewed someone who was, who was licensed through the humanist church. Wow. So there are yeah, avenues. So, yeah. Okay. There are avenues. I like it. Danny, I think you'd be good at doing weddings. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Do I have a nice Wait. enough face to, to be up there being like... Okay, like, hey, sweetheart, Quinn Snyder, I'll be your <laughs> wedding for 150 bucks. How you doing? <laughs> oh my gosh what are we doing consider another segue speaking of quinn snyder well, benny the nba is well is it cooking with gas now i don't know you, because the, the the lakers have had their ups and downs the bucks have had their ups and downs. the suns are the best team in the in, in the nba bubble oh. so who knows but benny i want to get into one particular thing i want to touch on the lakers here uh you know they've up and down uh, results, but apparently, according to our guy Joe Varden, uh, there's some stuff going on behind the scenes that LeBron James doesn't exactly want to talk about. 
Now, of course, you it, it'd be easy to blame this on Dwight Howard, J.R. Smith, Deion Waiters. Really, any anybody outside of LeBron and AD yeah. is kind of a troublemaker out there. But I have a bigger theory that Joe Varden is not reporting. Our good buddy oh. Joe Varden, I think, you know, you don't just go into the mouse's house with the Looney Tunes next to you and things are going to be okay for you. I think that there's some shenanigans going on. You know, you may have, like, Donald Duck doing some shit, Chippendale, not the dancers, the actual cartoon characters, going out there, knocking on your door, running away. You're going to go up against Brooke Lopez, who owns property on Disney World, which I don't even know how you do that, but he does. So I think, you know, LeBron James chose his Warner Brothers side, and I think in the Disney NBA bubble, he's paying the consequences. Wow, so you think this is coming, this is corporate. Straight from Bob Iger himself. <laughs> I mean, sometimes when there's something going on, you know, like people like to come up with conspiracy theories instead of looking what's obviously in front of your face. And I think what you said before is just too obvious. <laughs> we called it before it was even going to happen. Look at this gaggle of humans on this team. Yeah. Rajon Rondo. You got a Morris, you got J.R. Smith, you got Dion, you get KCP's get a little crispy every once in a while. There's like just no like easygoing, cool personalities going on in that team. You have your best defender gone to the point where Kyle Lowry tore you to shreds the other day, which doesn't look good. So I think when you have something like that, you're going to have LeBron giving heat, you know, people giving heat to some of the smaller players who aren't used to the heat don't want the heat there's a reason that they're on their fucking 17th team now and it happens to be the lakers i mean you know i'd like to come up with some robert Iger conspiracy theory but it's probably just the really mediocre members of the team getting weirder and weirder inside of a bubble and they're not playing well and now lebron is sitting out games with his groin missed 27 games uh, last season with this, he was sitting out games earlier in the season with this groin injury. So, and, but here's the thing. They already clinched the number one seat. You know what I mean? So this could just be like classic LeBron Lake show kind of stuff going on. Like a you drop a couple games, you drop a couple games, the groin's hurting a little bit. You sit for a couple, you let the whole narrative play out. Like there's something wrong with the Lakers. And then, Boom, once his actual playoff starts and these play-ins are done, maybe it's a totally different story. So I'm not willing to look too deep into it, but Joe Varden, friend of the program, Mm -hmm. does have the inside track to these things, and I don't think he'd report on it if there's nothing there. Exactly. So so who take away your conspiracy theory. Yeah. What is the interpersonal situation going on behind closed doors that's causing this? Which people? Oh, it's Alex Caruso. Oh, <laughs> LeBron just looks at every single of his, you know, Doug funny hairs out there. And he's like, I hate this motherfucker. I got to get him out, out of this team. No, there are so many candidates. Honestly, it's <laughs> tough to narrow down. I think LeBron probably feels like Jarrell Smith owes him, uh, you know, for bringing him in, bringing him actually back to basketball. And something tells me Jr. isn't exactly appreciative. Hmm. Yeah, that could be it. I mean, listen, what, let's go back. Let, you got to read the tape here. Yeah. Who on that team has most notoriously 
gone to other teams and fucked up the culture of the clubhouse out of all of these players. You're not going to tug on Superman's cape like this. It's a Disney it's attraction. Howard, man. It's a it's Disney him. attraction. <laughs> He's done it too many times. Like sometimes, you know, you just got to like, if, if the fire's hot over here, if it's hot behind this door, the fire's behind that door. You know what I'm saying? Aww. And you take away, like, they had the perfect storm going this season, you know? He was getting these 15, 20 minutes. He was, like, lying low in the cut. He wasn't getting too much attention. And then when the bubble thing kind of started, he put himself into the media a bunch of times again. He's still playing well, but... That kind of attitude isn't worth your your big man defensive 20 minutes a night, you know? I, I mean, think it's Dwight. I think it's him. Honestly, I would laugh if it's just Frank Vogel and everybody hates Frank Vogel. <laughs> and then they come around and rally about how much they hate Frank Vogel and they win a championship and he ends up being the coach. I bet Dwight Howard's like walking around that hotel doing dumb shit. <laughs> you know, like leaving weird things on people's doors, like trying to be funny. Aww. You know, he's he always tries to be cute and he just he just comes up a little short. Much like this podcast. And if you want to write us some hate mail, you can write us at the tune up podcast at gmail.com. Hey, or if you want to shower us with praise, we'd love that as well. Either. I can find our videos at the TuneUp HQ on Twitter and Instagram. That's right, the TuneUp headquarters for those who plan along at home. If you want to follow the big man, he is at Benny Horowitz1, number one in your mind, number one in your heart, number one on Twitter. By the way, I got to say, every week that I continue to do that and it's becoming more and more of like a thing, I feel a little bit more pressure. At first, it just rolled off the tongue, and now the pressure to get it right is almost getting too real. Anyway, I am at Denny underscore Gallagher, Denny Gallagher on Instagram as well. Benny, got any final thoughts? Everybody love everybody. You have a great week. We got a great guest for next week, and keep it real out there, you know? Hopefully, we have a great guest. I think he's going to Matt Damon us. Anyway, this has been The Tune-Up.